Hello, and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and I'm joined today, as always, by Grant Alexander. Hello. And Adam Mackey. Hello. How are we doing this week, boys? What is in your clamps, Grant? Well, I have been working on the Because We Make Unwrap a something, Unwrap Challenge. I don't know. Can't remember. Unwrap a Gift Challenge? Unwrap a Challenge. Whatever project. it was. Unwrap a Challenge? Maybe. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's un- it's their, their, the Because We Make Challenge, um, where they gave six different keywords. And for a long time, I just went, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then they pushed the deadline back so much that I went, you know what? I have to do it. They, I have no excuse. Mm. And also, I'm already making something that technically fits. And when you're technically correct, it means you're 100% correct. Um, yeah. Only it's, four uh, people. It's going to be a little. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's going to be worth it. Inside jokes are the best. Uh, so um, it's a it's a toy car. It's actually going to be uh, a it's going to be a gift for my son. Um, and his birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's actually my like my wife's uh, BMW station wagon is what I'm making. Oh, cool! It looks sweet. Yeah. I love how you've done the the seats and that. It looks really cool. Yeah. So it's uh, heavily inspired by uh, a previous uh, clamp mandation. Uh, Julian uh, Brebels, or can't, I don't know. I can't pronounce people's names, but uh, <laughs> she's from Belgium. I found out, not Germany. So Belgium, mm. definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, so she does a lot of cars and I learned a lot watching her videos. So, so it's, it's all wood. Yeah, all wood. Okay, cool. I haven't. I must have missed the story that you posted. It's yeah, it's a story. I don't expect everyone to watch all of my stories. I and it was a sneak peek. So yeah, you know. cool. Correct, Anyways, correct be, me if I'm wrong, but is Belgium not in Germany? You are wrong. <laughs> it's another country. You are wrong. Really? It's another country. Yeah. Isn't it like the northern- that's like saying isn't New Zealand in Australia? Oh, I thought it was. Uh, I'm gonna look. Is at it that. connected? They're they're in border countries. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So but it's like Canada, not, America. Uh, yeah, except for Canada, the, the Canada is North, is North America. Yeah, it is <laughs> technically. So you're technically correct. Ow. Um, yeah, there's a uh, in Europe. There's so many small countries that it it gets confusing when you're used to places like Australia, Canada, and the U.S., mm. where like there's giant land masses that are all one country. The yeah. U.S. confused. That's what I've been working on. Adam, wait, How wait, you finish what you were saying, Adam. <laughs> I just said the U.S. confuses me. I don't oh, know why yeah. they have so many damn states. Me neither. Um, this week, I got my beautiful ice pick from Austin at High Caliber Craftsman. It is awesome. I'm in love with it already. And I made a leather sheath for it, which I am showing to the boys here on the podcast. So I actually attached it to an old money clip that I have that I have like no Uh use for. I literally got it from my bar mitzvah uh, 10 years ago. And it's so, it's so pretty that like, it's one of those things that I've just carried with me from apartment to apartment to a living situation to the next. Um, And I've been wanting to integrate it into a project for a while. I had a different idea with it initially that would actually cover up the, the cool side of the money clip but 
I was thinking about how like with an ice pick, I want to be able to put it in my pocket, but not have it stab me essentially. So I didn't want to make a sheath where it just is loose around. I wanted it so it could kind of clip on and just stay concealed in my pocket. So essentially this leather sheath is attached on one side to the money clip. So it slips into my pocket over the edge. Um, and I am like super pumped with how it came out. I haven't done a any leather working in a little while. So it was like a really fun project to get back into it. Um, did some, you can't see it on camera, but I had some red stitching and, um, fancy. Yeah. I actually was kind of inspired by, um, the hatchet sheath grant that I can't remember his name, but he made for you in the Isaac. Isaac, Yeah. Yeah. That aesthetic, like what I saw on the camping trip was super cool. So kind of inspired by that. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of that. So there you go. You did whatever your inspiration were. Yeah. And uh, it's it's fun. Like, I've never really had an ice pick that I carried around. I mean, I, I use my awl a lot, like on my workbench, but that lives on my workbench. So I'm already finding all the like Duresta 400 uses for the ice pick sort of thing. Like I was reading a book today and eating bread over the book and crumbs dripped. You know when crumbs go like right in the center crease of the book and you're like, well, those just are there forever now. I could just take the ice pick. Not with an ice pick. Scrape them right out. So I'm uh, excited to discover all the other uses. I just don't read That's books. Cool. There you go. Well, yeah. if you drop crumbs in the crevices of your phone, you can s- scratch the screen and scrape them out as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then One short circuit folding phones. Um, yeah, got a bunch of other projects in the works, but uh, not quite ready to talk about them yet. But uh, Adam, what have you been up to this week? Uh, so yeah, I put out a I put out a video making the cabinet finally that I made like months ago, and um, yeah. I've had a lot of feedback about it actually, which has been really cool. My wife hates it; she thinks it's really ugly. I don't know why. <laughs> and um, I guess it's just not in the palette thing, but like so many people have message me and stuff about it saying that it like just looks so much better than a boring plywood box. So I keep, every time I get a message, I show her and I'm like, see, it, it's not shit. <laughs> it's not going to change yeah. your opinion. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that by the time that you like get rid of it, like, or, or decide that you're no longer doing pallet wood anymore, mm. anything you're like, I'm done with pallet wood. She'll start saying, you know, what's really would be nice. It's <laughs> some pallet wood. Well, she loves it. She loves our bedhead, which is pallet wood. So, mm. you know, it's funny when Weird. over the past weeks, when you've mentioned the garden cart, I, in my head, I was picturing like a four wheeled cart that you wheel around a garden. Like if you ever go to like a garden center and you put plants in a cart, I was picturing one of those. And then when you right. posted that video, I was like, I thought he was working on the garden cart. What is this? <laughs> but so, now I understand. Yeah. Um, that's why if you, if you have a look at all the posts and the video and everything, not once did I mention that it was a garden cart. It's yeah. just what it was made for. Like someone asked me to make it um, so they could store like their chemicals and stuff in it. But gotcha. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and then the other thing I started yesterday, well, yesterday that we're recording this, um, I started my new workbench, which I'm pretty stoked about, and um, I tried something new. So I cut the base out of the the entire workbench, and then I actually ruled out all of the lines for where the uprights would go. It's like the two ends and the two dividers in the middle, the front and back. Sorry, and it um, it just made it so much easier when 
trying to cut out shelves and stuff to be able to measure off there how wide everything is going to be and everything. And yeah. I think it's something that I'm going to implement from now on because it just made life so much easier. Nice. So. What do you What do you make in the workbench out of? Uh, so yeah, so I got some um, old bookshelves from my parents because they're moving house, mm-hmm. and I had a, one sheet of plywood. And my plan was to go buy more plywood, and then I realized that I could use the the bookshelves. So I pulled all the bookshelves apart. I got so much pine that I don't even know what to do with it. And um, and yeah, so that was uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. Didn't, it's didn't it's so nice to like not have me. to buy a full sheet of plywood. Yeah, and the other sheet of plywood I had left over from a previous project, so it didn't cost me anything either. There you but go. Yeah. Really started making me think though how underrated it is, like using reclaimed timber and stuff. Like I, I never would have when I first got the bookshelves, it never crossed my mind that I could use them to make the the workbench. Yeah. The- no, I think um it's so easy to just think like I need that material. I'm gonna go to the hardware store or the big box store or the lumber yard or whatever and get those materials. Um and like it's yeah, for sure. materials are surprisingly expensive, especially if you're looking at hardware or like casters. I know Adam, you've been experiencing that. Um, yep. Like anything that has metal in it is like, wow, this adds up really quickly. Um, so being able yeah. to, especially for something like a workshop. Yeah. I think reclaimed materials are super underrated. Yeah. But I, I also to, to take the devil's advocate, I also think they're a little bit overrated because People talk about them as if they're free and don't talk about the time it takes sure. to, to to knock down the pallets. Now, I know you can get pretty quick at it, and I'm not arguing. You can make money doing it, and you can make the boards faster, and, and you know it can be cheaper than buying wood. But what I'm saying is a lot of people talk about it as if that time is, is worthless, which it can be to you. <laughs> And if you're enjoying yourself, yeah, it true. is. But what I'm saying is if you're doing it and making trying to sell stuff, a lot of people look at their material cost and put it at a zero. And you go, oh, yeah, but what about the six hours it took you to make that wood? Yeah, uh, yeah sure. You know, a usable. Oh, I would yeah. say specifically pallets are overrated because I've done, I've done like one pallet project and it was a nightmare. It was so annoying. But <laughs> more generally, rec- reclaim materials um, – you know, it's so dependent on your area as well. Like I had such good luck in Montreal and terrible luck here. I found like a full sheet of three quarter inch Baltic birch plywood in Montreal, just like cut wow. into maybe three pieces and leaning up against a building out for the trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Toronto, do they take large items in the trash? They do. Yeah, but like they don't, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like I think they don't take construction or they, they're a little more strict with, with what they categorize as construction waste and they won't take that. It might, I mean, it might just be the street I'm on as well. Um, right. Like I know in Ottawa, you can put out literally anything. Mm-hmm. Like you can just put a bathtub out there and yeah. take it. Like it's insane. Wow. Um, but I have also in Kingston where my father lives uh, and where I grew up, they, they have one day a year you're allowed to put out anything. And the rest of the time, and that's when we would all go around and pick stuff up. And that's what everyone did. I don't know what they called it. It was like trash pick day. 
but like that's whenever I'd get a new bicycle, it was on trash pick day. Um, yeah, that's like a big difference is like you need to live in a place where you can actually find reclaimed material where you don't have to actually dumpster dive to get it like on construction sites. Because I know a lot of places, the only way you can get it is if you dumpster dive on construction sites. Mm -hmm. So I don't think like risking going to jail or getting a fine is not worth reclaiming material. But buying, finding used material on like Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji or whatever, or Craigslist or whatever site you're using, uh, you can find like free old dining room table. And then you cut that, that nice oak dining room table and then make some cutting boards. So many pianos on Facebook Marketplace for <laughs> free or close to free. <laughs> so the problem I've looked into getting a like piano for the wood and it's just not no. worth it. So I could get so many pallets where I live. Like I could literally stack up the back of my truck ten times in one day. But I just don't see the worth in it anymore because as you said, it's so much work to pull them apart and get them through the thickness. So unless I'm doing it for the aesthetics of actually using the pallet wood, I don't see a need or a use for it anymore. I'd rather just go buy fresh wood. I think it all depends too on how much time you have in your shop. Yeah, for sure. If you have lots of time in your shop and not a lot of money, reclaimed wood is the way to go. If you have a minimal amount of time in your shop, Right, but you and you have lots of money. Well, don't waste your time on pallet wood. Well, I got. But you know what? I really do think. Go ahead. I was gonna say two days ago, I pulled the bookshelves apart and just stacked it on top of my workbench. And then yesterday, I had two hours in the shop, and an hour of it I spent just pulling out nails and running it through the thicknesser. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But thinking about reclaimed materials and pulling apart pallets really makes me think about another tool that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about, and that's the jigsaw. (laughs) Because I actually think, and as much as I hate them, I think they're underrated. I think a jigsaw is probably one of the most versatile tools that if you only had one of, I would like to, if I could only have one portable saw, I'd like to have a jigsaw, Mm -hmm. but for what I build, that makes sense because I build small stuff. If I'm building decks, if I can only have one, I definitely don't want a jigsaw, right? I need that straight cuts uh, for the most part. You can get straight cuts with a jigsaw. Um, Yeah, you could do that against a speed square as well. Yeah. You can't – like jigsaw blades – Right. No matter the, what the you squareness. do, you're always going to get a little bit of yeah. yeah the squareness, and that's where you have a yeah. problem. So, hot tip for anyone that buys a Sometimes jigsaw: the first thing you do is throw out the blades and buy new ones. Oh, I I've done that yeah. for every single saw I've ever yes. bought, and you I still I don't know what it <laughs> so is. That, and then they turn blue. No, oh. I, I I obviously as anyone would expect, I agree, Grant. I do think the jigsaw is underrated, and I think a great case in point for that is the fact that I built the mold for my bent lamination tape dispenser with a jigsaw. So this is like a, this is a um, really tight tolerance mold. And yeah, I had to deal with the drift. It's basically three sheets or three thicknesses of three quarter inch MDF glued together. And um, I 
did a paper template on one, jigsawed it out, traced that onto two others, jigsawed them out, glued them together, and sanded it to relatively flush. And used that to laminate like, I don't know, seven or so veneers together. And I was like so pleasantly surprised with how little sanding I had to do to get a flat face between them. Like, yes, you have that even on, like you would think three quarter inch MDF, you're going to get a lot of drift, but no, not no. an MDF. It's the, the drift comes. Oh, really? Okay. Wood. Yeah. So it just like hugs on grain and says, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also like the thinner the material too, you know, like you, you, Work, yeah, yeah, use a jigsaw and a, quarter inch piece of plywood you're going to get pretty much no drift compared to a full 19 mil or three quarters of an inch so i one day i was like i'm tired of pulling out my jigsaw i have a coping saw i've never used it before i'll use that because i was only doing a small cut and i went like "Eh, i don't want to pull out the jigsaw i'll just try and use the 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 coping saw to do this small cut i was uh, doing a spoon blank and I just wanted to try it out. Well, I can say that gave me a big appreciation for a machine <laughs> I mean, doing it, all the back Also, and if forth. you think jigsaws drift, a coping saw through wood drifts a lot more than a jigsaw. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. I've, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't finish that. Because before <laughs> I bought my jigsaw in university when I was like just starting out my apartment woodworking, I used a coping saw a lot. Um, and... Right. So I think that's why I think it's underrated because I don't think people have used a coping saw a yeah. lot. If you've used a coping saw a lot like you, then you go, this is an amazing yeah. tool. But if you go from like a circular saw to a jigsaw and you go, why isn't this cutting straight? That's when you I also think pissed. a jigsaw is perfect for those cuts you don't care about. Say, for instance, yesterday I had a long board of pine. It had a split on each end. So I just got the jigsaw out, cut off where the split finished, and then I had a board. I just cleaned up the ends on the miter saw, and it was perfect. Yep. Okay, so speaking of construction, um, one thing that I'm curious to get your guys' take on, whether it's overrated or underrated, is renovation videos. Because I feel like that was like the big move in 2019, 2020, people doing like these big renovation projects. And as a non-homeowner, I don't really have much opinion on them. Like they're, the few I've watched are pretty entertaining. But um, what do you think? Is it is it a bubble? I I don't think it's a bubble because renovation videos have been ongoing. Like this old house has been going for 20 some odd years. What I think it is, is that a lot of people got approached by a lot of the maker videos that people that were watching got approached by companies yeah. saying, hey, you can make stuff. Would you like a bunch of products that you can install in your house and make it better. And the people went, Hmm, it's pod. Well, how about some money too? And they went, yes, we'll give you money too. And they went, well then yes, I will yeah. do it. Right. Like I know like that's uh, like Lowe's and home Depot and stuff when they're sponsoring people, that's what they're hoping people do because they don't care about the tool use as much. Like they don't like you use the rigid tools or whatever tools they send to you. Uh, for Home Depot or Lowe's, they don't care about that. What they care about more, if Home Depot or Lowe's sponsors you, is if you are trying to push uh, home DIY yeah. stuff. So I think there was just a big push on that. I think renovation videos are great. I used to watch them all the time. I don't. Now I'm 
less interested in them. I feel like I've seen just about mm-hmm. everything. So I I think they are overrated. If we if we're going on the scale of just overrated or underrated and I have to pick one. Binary scale, they are overrated, but I understand them and mm. I like them. I'm going to agree with you, Grant, on a little bit of a different side of that I think that everything's already been done and that there's already a video. Unless you have something new, innovative, or like a new tip you haven't seen someone do before, I feel that they're definitely overrated mm. because there's already video, like the you're going to make a video on how to install drywall, but there's already a hundred of those on YouTube already. Yeah. There's not a ton of room for creativity. For sure. if, if you're dealing with classical renovations, unless you have a special way to do it. See one sort of trend that I found very interesting was I Jessup's um, like Jesse Ueda's tear out of her, what she called the poop house and how much that absolutely exploded. Yeah. And those videos are just her like taking trash out of the house. What'd you say? I said, I hope it didn't explode. No, no, it got, it, it popped off. Um, and I'm wondering if that's sort of playing on what people love about restoration videos. It's taking something old and dingy and transforming it into something new and shiny. It's like, For does sure. that play on people's like base love of like Murray Kondo just cleaning up? That's something but, I don't then, like, because I don't really watch restoration videos. I don't fully understand it. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing is you're moving away from renovation videos to restoration videos. I think a renovation video is more of how to install flooring and a resta- restoration video is I pulled up all the flooring in my house and replaced it with this. Hmm. Not necessarily a how-to, but right. more of a before and after. And I think it's the transformation exactly. that people are addicted yeah. to. And I think like that's why... Like people doing, I've done a couple rest. I've done at least one restoration video, and I enjoyed the process. But I also like it's more about here's an old rusty tool, here's a new rusty, <laughs> a new shiny tool. So, but there was a whole uh, like TV show in the states on history uh, called like Restoration Garage, and it started out great, and then it became more talking about. This is what happens every time there's a reality TV show is they stop talking about how they actually did the thing and started talking about the people <laughs> who yeah. brought the stuff in. I went, I don't care about their story. Tell me about how you restored yeah. this 1950s pedal car, yeah. please. Like, I don't care. I had this when I was only three years old. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And I'm like, I don't I don't care about your story behind it. I guess that's what sells. Yeah. But uh, when I think emotions. about it, I go, I think that restoration – videos when done well are underrated but they're often done not well um and then those Mm. ones are overrated so i'm just going on the fence (laughs) on that one they're both underrated i don't think i've done any restoration videos maybe it's like maybe it's like asmr i just don't have like the brain thing for it i just it just doesn't trigger me in that way because like i watched jimmy deresta's gun restoration video and i was like this is pretty cool like nice it's not working now it's working rusty thing starts moving very very cool but i I wasn't like i need to see more rusty things become shiny now it didn't uh, it didn't bite me in that way I've watched a bunch of uh, Eric from uh, Hand Tool Rescue. I watch a bunch of his videos. What I like about his videos is I feel like I can 
put it on in the background mm. and kind of watch it when I'm like, it's so it's become loading, sort of like the right? background TV for some people. Right. Whereas, but because I feel like he's doing like a lot of the same things, like he's unscrewing something and then like putting it in evaporust, like he does it like, mm. but when I watch a maker video, I actually right. want to watch it because I, a lot of times I'm trying to actually see what they're doing. So I feel like restoration videos are great in that they're, they're kind of comforting. They're the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again. And so people like comfort, right? People go like, like you were talking about with your guests on into the spotlight, they like repetition because it's comforting. So a restoration video and getting into that, like I see that I'm like knife restoration after knife restoration. It's basically the same thing. It's rusty. You sand it a bunch. Now it's not mm -hmm. so rusty, right? But they get huge views. It's because people like that comforting sure. feeling of seeing the, the same, same way that like morning shows get huge views and um, game shows. Like you know what to expect. It's a little entertaining. It's nice. People, it's nice. Yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> I've got um, I've got exactly. two laves underneath my workbench that I've been planning to restore and make one good lathe out of. But then the same thing. Like I just. I just don't understand how I could make that a cool video because it, it is, it's all the same thing. It's pull it apart, put it in Rust-Oleum or whatever and put it back together. Mm. But probably don't want to put it in Rust-Oleum or else it might not well, come do back that and <laughs> Well, whatever you put it in. Yeah. Vinegar and bicarb soda. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, I don't think I've done any restoration videos, but I've definitely done upcycling videos. Mm. Um, for instance, the bed, the bed that what I turned you, what into. What do you think? I like them. I think it's cool to see. I, I think I like them if it is something old. Not, I just went and bought this thing from the shop and I'm going to turn it into this. Like that, I think that's mm. cool for like a, a reel or a story or something, but not a full like YouTube video. Whereas if you take something that's like old, maybe not necessarily vintage, but like, you know, and I, like I did the old iron bed and turn it into a lounge. Mm -hmm. I think like that is something that interests me. But if you went and bought a brand new bed and turned it into a lounge, I probably wouldn't be as interested because it doesn't have that aesthetics of the old style. Yeah. I would say that upcycling yeah. is underrated. And I think there are few makers who are very well known that are doing it at a high level. I think of Laura Kampf when I first think of upcycling because she'll take like her video where she took an old uh, coffee grinder I think, and turned it into like the, the dog, oh, the, the dog um, treat dispenser for Smudo. Oh, or maybe I'm mixing up two projects in my head. I might be coming. No, I'm, th I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the old, I think it was an old iron that she turned into a, yeah. um, the press, what, what do they call it? The, that too. Yeah. yeah. Branding. I, Branding yeah. I think it's very difficult to do well. I think it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of, as we've talked about in the reclaiming episode, like a lot of space of storing things and, and uh, foresight um, yeah. but yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of like really amazing things you can do with it. Yeah. I, I, I want to play devil's advocate <laughs> here, but you just guys agree too just much. It's a good thing. I think it's also, I, I just, yeah, well, agreement doesn't make a good podcast. Yeah. So let's talk about Instagram dun, dun, reels dun. because I think those are a hundred percent overrated. 100%. And the only reason why people are getting any kind of like traction 
on this kind of stuff is the same reason why YouTube shorts right now are a big thing is because they're pushing it and pushing mm-hmm. it and pushing it. And when they're push, 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 right? That's when you know mm-hmm. it's overrated because when the platform is pushing it and trying to make it so that that becomes a thing, as soon as the platform stops pushing it and moves on to yeah. the next thing. So all those people are going to What I think Instagram out. Reels has going for it the only thing it has going for it is that it has all these people that are already on Instagram. So they could yeah. make and consume reels very easily. But TikTok like easily has way more, way better content. So it's like that advantage I think can only take them so far. And and I feel like in some ways Instagram reels is better positioned for sort of like maker videos because a lot of makers are already on Instagram. But mm. people aren't... I, I'm really hesitant to say this because I don't want to sound like an old fogey, but I just, I don't really feel like maker type videos are as make as much sense on TikTok, just because I don't think it's what most people on there are looking for, but that could change. Like who knows? Well, I, I don't think that's the problem. I think if I wanted to see that type of content, I wouldn't, I would go to TikTok. I'm not going to YouTube yeah. to watch shorts. Right, I'm not going to Instagram to watch <laughs> Reels. I'm go- if I want to see that, I'll go to TikTok. Right, and I get they're trying to pull people in. It's the same reason why, like Tim Hortons in Canada, started offering non-breakfast foods and and stuff like they they you try and take yeah. other well, people. The interesting market, thing is that right? you uh, see sometimes t- that works. Like Insta, I would argue that Instagram took stories from Snapchat. That's not an argument. They clearly did that. They stole stories from Snapchat. <laughs> But I think they made it more successful than Snapchat did. And now I think stories are bigger on Instagram than they were on Snapchat. Snapchat's nothing. I I can definitely see Reels taking over TikTok as well. But I I don't know. I don't know if I did something something. that, that made it like this. So don't anyone be messaging me saying I'm some kind of pervert. But I feel like my TikTok was a lot of girls dancing provocatively and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I find that Instagram reels is a lot more biased to what I'm actually interested in. I feel like maybe they've got the algorithm a lot better than what TikTok did. I'm not sure. But another thing with that though, is I think that TikTok has that, um, I can't say this word and anonymity. (laughs) Yeah, that one. So you can like anonymous. Whereas like, on reels you're using your instagram account that you have built up so you're not going to have people that are saying crude things and Mm. and do you know what i mean so like i feel like that's why instagram reels is a lot cleaner because people know who you are i feel like what instagram reels is trying to do is steal tiktok people but they're not doing as good a job as they did when they (laughs) shut down snapchat so this is why I think Instagram Reels are overrated, and I think TikTok might actually be underrated. Yeah. I don't even know what Snapchat Stories is. That's so funny because Sna- I used to like make a lot of Snapchat Stories, like just really? with, with my friends and stuff. And then, um, yeah, Jimmy yeah, Dressy used. To I mean, they still have it, there. but Instagram sort of—I feel like at least among our space, it's it became much much bigger. Was Snapchat a thing that you would use? I think the problem was Snapchat. No, just with my friends. I I wasn't like right. Yelron blog on Snapchat. It was just with friends. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you yeah. could be. You could try. The problem was it wasn't very good to. It wasn't very 
good, like easy to find new non-friends. Yeah. Whereas Instagram, it's easy yeah, to find new true. non-friends. That's why Snapchat's gone. Yeah. If we're talking about TikTok, I think we should also talk about making YouTube videos. And I don't know, it's weird because like YouTube has evolved so much in the last, even just like the last few years. And since I have started doing it, that, I mean, the quality of videos is so much better overall. There's many more people doing it. And it's just a totally different game now than it was a few years ago. Totally. So I, I feel like if you're just going in to start making YouTube videos, you have to go in with the right mindset and you have to like really enjoy making videos. I don't know. Would you guys agree with that? That I, I would just caution people a little bit to like to pair their expectations if they're not like super into making videos. I definitely think it needs to be a passion. Yeah. You can't, you cannot go into YouTube expecting to make money because you will not, you will fail. But if you go into it because it's something you enjoy doing and never make it about, I mean, you can make it about the money if it becomes your full-time job. But if you're never thinking about, I'm eventually going to make this my full-time job, I feel like you could be very successful because you're not letting the peer pressure of following suit of other makers and all that sort of stuff to put your content in their way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think so that was I think very well put. Making YouTube videos yeah. is overrated. And I think, and it, it's a lot like what you guys were saying, but why I think that is because right now, uh, like last year or the year before, it must have been the year before, obviously, because last year was pandemic times. So the year before, my boss went to a like career day um, where it's like talk to the kids in school about what you do for a living. And, and she doesn't have any kids, but they, she gets invited um, to like stand in when the, the kids don't have parents that have interests and careers. Anyways. Uh, she went there to talk about, you know, what do you do for a living? And one of the questions she asked all the kids was, what do you guys want to do? And they said, you know, we want to make YouTube videos. And this is why I think it's overrated because I don't think people realize the work it takes to do it. hundred percent. Like a a friend of mine's daughter was like, I'm going to make YouTube videos. She was on the, the voice, um, the kids version of the voice in Quebec. Anyways, from that, she got like a whole bunch of publicity and stuff. She's like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to make videos, like three videos a week. I was like, go for it. I was like, I'm happy, like, because I don't, like, she's a kid, right? And I was like, I'm happy to help you, like, because I'm colleague is, uh, I was like, hey, if if she needs any help, I know how to edit videos. I can help her out. I can tell her, like, the things I've learned over the last year. Um, And, he was like, I'll, I'll pass along the info, but uh, I think she's already given it up. <laughs> she had. She never made another video. Like it, oh, She wow. made like three of them. <laughs> uh, and they were okay. They were kind of bloggy videos. But then, you know, I think she, she saw the big, like, push that she got from being on TV. Uh, so she had, like, a YouTube video of her singing. And that, like, blew up. Um, but then when it came to, like, her little blog yeah. things, it just didn't catch fire the same way and i think people like you know when you get your first video that blows up you kind of chase that high and uh you know luckily she didn't get addicted like i do (laughs) yeah in saying that you are not going to become successful overnight with youtube never it's a long-term you could you could put out the biggest viral video there is 
but it's not going to get you traction for the long term. And that's People what, watch that one video and yeah. they're not going to watch the rest. And that's why what you said I think is so important. Like you have to be passionate about it because you have to, sure. you have to keep that momentum going if you want to take it to a level where it is getting you publicity or money yeah. or something or some mixture of the two. You have to have the passion and the drive that will take you to that point. And that could take right. many years. Yeah. Um, it could also not, but odds are pretty against you to be an overnight success. I think to, to add to one yeah. last final point on this, if you're thinking of making YouTube videos, you should listen to Andy Pugh's podcast. Um, and he had a, an episode about, uh, you know, I think it was five reasons on why to make YouTube videos. And I think then he included two reasons not to. Um, and I think if you're ever thinking about it, go listen to that podcast. And on that note, I kind of oh, before go ahead. I was going to say before before we do go on to something else, I'm not trying to scare people off, but just to give you a little bit of insight into how long it actually takes for a YouTube video to be made, my one-hour builds take at least four hours to be filmed, at least ten to twelve hours of actual editing. And then probably another two hours uploading, another two hours at least of then doing all of the YouTube um, text and and all that sort of stuff. It, it is a long time for one measly five minute video. Right, and then like responding to comments so, and you know trying to find places yes. to market it, pushing it out on Reddit and Imgur and all the other places in the world. Yeah. I just use my assistant and for I, all that. With all my YouTube money. <laughs> and I'm talking about a one hour build. Imagine building something that takes you a couple of weeks. How long that's going to take right. you to film, then edit. Yeah. But, yeah. Every, try it. Every, like, if you want to do it, try yeah. it for yeah. sure and 100%. make a few and get better. Yeah. But just know, know, know the landscape. And if you blow up on the first one, and also awesome. in saying that, yeah. Another thing that another thing that we're doing is podcasts. So we need to talk about those as well. And in saying that with You stole my segue, man. <laughs> I stole great segue. <laughs> no, but I just wanted to say that as as Molly just said, just make a couple. Same with podcasts. Make a couple. If you're not happy with them, you don't have to put them out. Yeah. All right, podcasts I think are still underrated, even though they are they are becoming incredibly popular. I think traditional radio still has like a surprising amount of listeners, um, and I think there's still a lot of people that are like have never listened to a podcast, yeah. or they've maybe listened to one and it might have been on the radio. So I think there is a lot of room for growth there. I think there's a lot of room for growth, but does that mean it's underrated? Because I think they're perfectly rated. That's a like, good question. I don't want to put on – I'm like, I think podcasts are rated exactly how they need to be. There's a lot of people who don't want to listen. Grant with the efficient market hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But I like I look at it and I go, I don't think that there needs to be any more – like I, I think it's great if people want to put out more podcasts. That's great. But I don't think it's like we're at a, a point where it's like the market is being underserved. Yeah. You know, I actually do to a certain extent. And I, I don't know if it's like lack of good podcasts, but 
I think the discovery for podcasts still leaves something to be desired. Like it's a lot easier to find a good YouTube video or a cool Instagram account than it is to find an interesting podcast. I sometimes find myself like craving a certain style of podcast with certain people and like not really knowing how to find it because it might be on someone else's podcast where they have an interview. Um, I think, I think the thing is with all social media, including YouTube and that is that you're suggested things like you can click the little magnifying glass on Instagram and it will show you a list of like photos that you might be interested in. YouTube recommends you stuff. Podcasts don't do that. I listen to a podcast episode. It finishes. I move on to the next one and, and nothing pushes any other it's, things. It's organic. Me. Yeah. It's still pretty analog, yeah. analog or organic. Yeah. yeah. It's so that's, I think the, like you were saying, the discovery for podcasts hasn't been uh, algorithmized yet. And I think that's good, right? The most. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we right. should be thanking. I was about to say the same <laughs> right? thing. But like iTunes. There's no podcast social yeah, dilemma iTunes yet. does it, but it just doesn't do it very well, right? It still does it because yeah. if you go on iTunes, you go to the podcast thing, it does it. But uh, I don't know. All right, let's do so. Let's do a little, little quicker one, so we can we can squeeze some more interesting, overrated, underrated in. Um, okay, I'll I'll do one because I think a really cool project idea that a lot of people are intimidated by is making chairs, and it's talked about a surprising amount. But I think there are so many more cool opportunities to make wild and interesting chairs than there are to make than making like beds, coffee tables, and dining tables. You, you walk into like a quintessential office from a certain point in history. And a lot of the times the things you notice are the chairs, like the Eames well, lounge like, chair. The, I have a uh, 1950s uh, like office chair as my chair. And I bought it because it's got this like rocket ship design to it. Uh, yeah, oh, it's cool. like hard, you can't see it obviously. But uh, one day I'll, I've taken pictures and I've posted them somewhere, but that's exactly chairs. I think you spend a lot of time in your chair and why I think they're uh, like, what did, what was the word you said? Like intimidating? Why they're intimidating yeah. is because you can screw up a chair. Have you sat in an uncomfortable chair? Yeah. That's yeah. why they're intimidating. I'm sitting in one right now. Right? It's because of how easy it is <laughs> to make a bad chair. Yeah. One, one, one measurement out and the chair is not going to be comfortable at all. Whereas a bed, you put a mattress on it, so it's not I think I think chairs are definitely underrated when they when it comes to an individual design, but they're very overrated when it comes to copying other designs. Like there's Adirondack chairs yeah. everywhere, probably because they're easy to make and they're pretty comfortable for being just wood, and yeah. you can leave them outside. Like that's yeah. why I agree. Adirondack chairs are overrated. hundred percent. Well, I think they're, I I think they're overrated. Maybe I don't even know if I'd say they're overrated because like they are really comfortable. Like I enjoy an Adirondack chair. I do too. And you know what's the best? How are we judging this? Like you put your beer on it. It's so nice. Yeah. It's like a table and a chair in one. Okay. You're right. But I'd say that the chair itself is not overrated, but the social media side of it is because they're everywhere. No, I think there's a lot of creative opportunities for chairs that is not really being full taken advantage of. Agreed. And so on another just quick one to do, digital design, I think, is uh, is overrated. 
And I think a lot of people get like, I need to make a plan. It needs to be 3D and stuff. Like, you need to, some people just need to get out and do something, right? You don't have to plan every single moment. The most creative and interesting stuff probably wasn't 100% planned digitally first, right? And even when it is, you need to have real world, like, problem solving skills to get around the stuff that all of a sudden didn't work, even though it worked on your computer. Yeah. I think there's de- there's a lot of situations where it's not worth it to make a 3d model for a project. And I'm not like make them if that's what you enjoy doing, but don't ever hold yourself back because you didn't design it digitally first. All right. Overrated. I'm going to say it. I think among us is overrated. I think it's only fun if you're the imposter. And I think if you're the other people, 100%. you're basically just doing <laughs> chores. Like that's all it is. You're running yeah. around doing chores and yeah, I think that's it. I, I think among us could be underrated with friends overrated. If you're playing by yourself. Ah, I don't know. Even with friends, like doing yeah. chores is only so fun when you're with friends. <laughs> I don't know. I've never played it with friends. It's a good excuse to hang out. But like the thing too is like the way we play is over Zoom is um, when you die, like you mute yourself and you can't talk to anyone. Yeah. So it's like you have to yeah. go in the corner. And, uh, so yeah. I think any, right. any well, game that has it so that a competitor, a person ends the game and has to sit there and wait until a new game starts is yeah. – overrated so it's like a difference between uh european based board games and uh like north american like monopoly is the biggest example of a game where you have to start with four people and like if you're in the you know it can last four hours and you can have three hours of that where you aren't playing right mm-hmm. and you just go like i got eliminated three hours ago and they're still playing right like a risk is another one like that like these games are Boy. completely overrated and I think, like, Among Us yeah. is another one of those examples where it's only fun if you win. So is the European difference that, like, you just tally your points yes. at the end and everyone plays until the end? Yeah. Okay. Is that, like, is Ticket to Ride yep. in that category? Yeah. Okay. We just started playing that, and it's, I really yeah, enjoy same it. Same like, Settlers of Catan is another good one, a uh, good example that yeah. a lot of people know. So it's fun if you play two-player because then you have to restart if you lose. Like playing Among Us, two players, that sounds fun. <laughs> no. I mean, like Monopoly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I know I'm not host, but I just want to say we have another four things on the list, and I think that we should save them for the after show. And I'm going to let Morley give you the spiel on how you get to the after show. All right. Well, we have a Patreon, and we would really appreciate it. Um, if you love the show, if you want to support us, um, you can do so on Patreon. We do an after show and a pre-show each episode. You also get a sweet custom embossed leather keychain. Um, if Patreon isn't your thing, we always appreciate sharing the show as well as leaving a review if you like. And we actually had one this week, which I'm going to read right now. So a review this week is a five-star review and its title is... Oh, I have to get in the accent state of mind. I went too fast. All right, give me a second. Get in the zone. <laughs> well, you should actually explain the premise in case some people are new and have never understood. Okay, okay. The- <laughs> so for the, you're right. For the new people, for the new people, if you do leave a review, yours truly will read that review in an accent either of your choice or from or from your location. So I will do my best to do an accent based on where you're from. 
and I'll reveal it at the end. So the title of this review is Great Listen. I somehow just stumbled across this podcast. I'm enjoying catching up. Thanks for talking about the things I care about. Keep up the good work. From Grumpy Woodchucker, Mark. And Mark is from Texas. And I don't know. Texas is, it's a little subtle. I don't know. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. I watched, I was watching a lot of the Fred Armisen accents video, which I'll link in the show notes and is absolutely fantastic for a rapid fire of American accents before we were doing this. Nice. Nicely Um, done. Nicely done. Thank you very much. I feel like you sound like someone who had never heard a Texan before, but was explained to them how it would sound. You know what? I wish that uh, that the grumpy woodchucker had like a bunch of stories that we could have gone and listened to of like him chatting to the camera. That would have been great, but we didn't. So, yeah. All right, let's move on to clampmendations. Clampmendations. Well, this week I'm going to clampmendate Rasmus Lowen Stensgard. Uh, He's a, a blacksmith YouTuber. Um, who uh, in his latest video made a Lord of the Rings coat rack. Um, it's uh, he mainly went over the, the, uh, the backing part with the uh, all the different companions from the fellowship uh, is like a pre-made thing that someone else made, but he made the little hooks that go on it and he uh, you know made some really cool little hooks. Uh, it's a fun little video. I watched it today with my son and my son said he's hammering fire. And I just thought that was a really uh, cool thing. <laughs> and so that's why it yeah, that became cool. the, the clampmendation of the week. Hmm. Awesome. Cool. Well, I, this week I'm going to, I know I've clampmendated him before, but uh, bourbon moth woodworking. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of funny. Uh, he put out two videos recently. I think they came out just before Christmas um, labeled woodworking tricks you will actually use. And he had some very good pointers in oh. there for anyone, even people that are experienced, I feel need to go watch these videos. Things I'd, I would have never thought of. I mean, he, he's silly like he always is, but hit, hit us with the standout. Yeah. What's the quick, awesome tip. So the quickest, yeah, the biggest tip I got out of it was when you use a force in a bit, Use the drill in reverse first because it the spur will cut a nice clean circle and then when you put it in forward, it'll take off the burr that was created and leave you with a perfect circle. Hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. He, he's, I don't know if it's true, but he said that anything that has like a bread point with the spurs should always go in reverse first. I've, like done that with, I've done that with self-tapping screws before. Um you make you can basically make a little pilot hole by reverse yeah. first, and then you, it's I don't know it's a little less likely to split the wood. Hmm. Very cool. All right. Um, so I am currently reading a Walter Isaacson book. Uh, it is his biography of Albert Einstein, and I just I, I first of all I just loved every Walter Isaacson book I've read. So I've read his biography of Leonardo da Vinci. Steve Jobs. I started the Ben Franklin one. Um, my mistake was I was reading it on audiobook and I really couldn't get into it on audiobook. I find that his books are a lot more to physically read. Um, and it is a super interesting story. Um, I think like a lot of people have sort of 
conceptions of what they think Einstein might have been might have been like. But Walter Isaacson, as an author, is so good at like getting to the person behind the genius. Mm. And it's so interesting to hear about like how long it took him to really get his career going. Um the sort of like character flaws he had to get over. Like he was very arrogant, very sure of himself. And a lot of times didn't really put in the time to like do the full requirements for a job description and would try to go on his merit alone. Um, And didn't have a lot of respect for authority, which was both to his detriment and to his advantage. Because I mean, his whole career was built on upending traditional paradigms. And it's really like, I guess I had never really thought before about like how difficult that would be because he was, he was taking like this very, I mean, it was a tumultuous time in physics, but it was like pretty well accepted in telling people like, no, you're wrong. The way you think about this is wrong. This is the way it actually is. And he was basing it not on any real like experimental data, but more so on postulates and thought experiments. Um, Mm. It's a really, really fascinating story. And I haven't like studied physics in a little while. So it's a cool kind of like opportunity to think about some of those pretty trippy concepts. Again, it's, it's very like digestible if you have no physics background, but yeah, Einstein by Walter Isaacson, as well as like all of his biographies, just a really, really great writer. Interesting. I'll have to check that out one day. Yeah. All right. Well, before we head out, wanted to give a big thank you to TF turning for the theme song. Um, yeah. And if you want to find us individually, you can find Grant at the Grant Alexander, Adam at Maker Mackey and me at Morley Kurt just about everywhere. And with that, I think we will and collectively head over to the after show. You can find us at collectively at Clampcast or the <laughs> Clampcast on Twitter. I always forget one or that Bye. specifically. See you. Goodbye. <laughs> And it was like an Australian person. And they said, um, just learning now that podcast is supposed to rhyme with broadcast for the rest of the world. So do those two words not rhyme in an Australian accent? Broadcast, podcast. No, they don't. That- pod. So it's meant to be podcast, not podcast. Like a pod. Yeah. So you you give a bit of like a softer like uh, and we say more of like a ah. Well, there is no podcast. ah. It's well, P-O-D. It's pod. 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 So to me, pod and broad sound exactly the same. Yeah, me too. What? I think it's just an accent yeah. thing. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because isn't that, I mean, like, isn't that though, the iPod. like, isn't that the trope for like Australians and and uh, English people of how Americans speak? Everything's like, rah, 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 rah. It's the very like long nasally you sort guys, of You guys really like to say your letters. Like you say, what? <laughs> instead, of just, instead of just what? Yeah. We like yeah, to say all the letters. That's what they're there for. <laughs> if, they, if, they, if we didn't want to say them, then we would get rid of them. How do you say psycho? Should.